Hello, students. Welcome to Detention. Calm down, Academaniacs. And you know what? If you choose to say it differently, that's okay, because we're inclusive here at the Academy. If you're having fun saying it, you're doing it right. There you go. Or if you're having fun yelling at me for choosing to say it this way, that's also fine. I am everyone's favorite co-host, the Caleb G, but tonight I am Professor Crunch, and it is my job to take care of you hooligans that are stuck here after hours in the RPG Academy. Welcome to 2017. Welcome to the triumphant return of detention before things change drastically yet again. That's a teaser for later, kids. As always, I have a couple special guests here roaming the halls of the Academy to help keep you all in line. First and foremost, a voice you know and love, a face you have come to recognize from our Twitch stream, Mr. Scott Brown. How you doing, Scott? Howdy, all you kids out there in Radio Land. I'm doing swell, thanks. Coming in hot from the West Coast, we wrangled him from a crazy country far away from Swallows of the South. Quinn Wilson. Who cares? Ugh. It's nice to talk to you guys. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining us tonight, Quinn. Um, we had a bit of a, uh, a scheduling kerfuffle here today, but we are all together and we are ready to go. It's been a while since we've done a detention. So let me remind you that detention is sponsored in part by BattleBards.com. BattleBards produces outstanding audio to support your tabletop role-playing experience. They do sound effects. They do background music. They do monsterscapes. They even do voice work for NPCs to filter into your game. The website has a very nifty editing soundboard so you can tweak the audio and use it exactly the way you want. I use BattleBards exclusively for our current 5th edition actual play Rot Iron, and I absolutely love it. Cannot recommend them enough. And there are all kinds of specials and sales going on over on their website, so please check them out. Uh, we are also sponsored in part by EasyRollerDice.com. We use Easy Roller Dice for our Rot Iron sessions and various other actual plays here at the RPG Academy. Um, I do believe that currently... Easy Roller Dice is on Kickstarter with another incredibly fancy metallic dice set in a really cool uh, skull tin. Uh, I believe my wife is going to make me buy those. So you should definitely check them out as well. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. They, they hold like twice as many dice and they're all gritty and awesome. Yes. Urgh, gritty. So awesome. there you go. That is who is bringing you detention here. We're going to kick off detention with a little bit of extracurricular. So what are we doing outside the walls of the Academy or inside the walls of the Academy, as the case may be, just on slightly different projects? Uh, me, personally, real life, I am uh, transitioning into a new day job. I'm very excited about that. It is a promotion out of retail and back into a call center, which is actually... What I used to do before I ended up where I am now. I'm really, really excited about that. Um, I also watched the pilot for Emerald City. The the new Ooh. dark, gritty remake of Oz. Because so, there's so not enough of You're going to have to tell those. me a little bit about that. I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't really seen it. But, but I've, I've heard you tweeting and, and it sounds awesome. So it is a new version of the... Oz mythos, 
there's only two episodes out there right now which form the pilot. It's very confusing because uh, just like Dorothy gets thrown into Oz, we the viewers have no context for what Oz is. So we are experiencing this world along with her. Um, so it's like the Matrix. We, we don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden we're going to wake up halfway through the season and realize that it's like all in a snow globe or it turns out the butler did it or some sort of horrifying Twilight Zone grade twist. I'm expecting that. Dorothy has been a battery this entire time. <laughs> yes. Nine volt. I, uh, I, I thought it was just cold every day on set. Turns out. <laughs> uh, I, if I remember correctly, the very horrible sci-fi movie that was a or miniseries version of Oz did use the snow globe principle. So I hope that will not get reused. Uh, Emerald City seems to be pretty good so far. The, um, really good quality. They do not appear to be using a lot of green screen. So they are off somewhere with a practical set. And was, was that a color pun? possible it is now now that you've brought yeah. it up so so retroactively uh, emerald... <laughs> uh, yeah so so emerald city is is uh the, the headquarters of the green lantern corps right is that how that works uh sure oh cool sounds like a great series <laughs> yep uh dc meets uh oz that's what we're doing here on nbc um the arrowverse has been getting a little messy lately oh god Let's you not... just tap your ring together three times and say, form of <laughs> a bucket of water. Shape of a ticket to get us home. <laughs> Story would have been so much quicker if she could just do that. Uh, but yeah, I really like it. I'm a big fan of the original Oz books and all of its iterations have been entertaining in one way or another, even if uh, some of them were quite terrible. This one's got some promise, though. Of course, I, I think it's carrying a little bit of a uh, Game of Thrones vibe because they're just capitalizing on what works. But hey, if it works, it works. Uh, so what about you guys? What have you been up to? I would say that it's been a while since uh, since I've been on, as we addressed before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of change-ups in my life since we last had uh, a meeting. And like I moved house and there's just been a bunch of stuff. I graduated, and this is a week that I would describe as being filled with pretty good news. Um, I interviewed for a job that's looking relatively promising. Big ups to Rich Howard for helping me get my foot in the door. Uh, I've got a place lined up to move again that I'll be moving into with my partner. That's really exciting. And on the uh, media production front, I've been engaging in some pretty fun stuff. I've been working on a secret project with people that I've done some recording with. Another Ooh, project just got secret. greenlit today that I'm super excited about that I can't talk about yet. Ooh. And in terms of things that I can talk about, Ooh. I... I'm getting to the point in this season of Swallows of the South, it's looking to be much shorter than our last season, where we are going to be putting a ribbon on our second season soon, which means preparing for one of our off-season one-shot games, and it looks like I'm finally going to get to play Monster Hearts, so I'm super excited about that. Hey, it sounds like fun. 
who is going to be running that since you will be playing, or is that not uh, able to be disclosed at this point? Oh, I will be running it. Oh, when I say running. playing, okay. the the GM is a player in my use of parlance, but I understand how that might be misleading. So uh, you, you've always wanted to run a Monster Hearts game. It's, it's a, a fun indie system that none of us have played with enough, I'm sure, regardless of how much any of us have played with it. Uh, so what's, what are you most excited about? I am most excited about having a venue in there for... I mean, Swallows overall is a show that is underscored by a lot of incredibly high emotions and people letting that get the best of them. And this really gives us the opportunity to take the gloves off because they are teenagers. <laughs> Supernatural, awful, shitty teenagers. So I'm looking forward to get to play with a lot of those tropes. Maybe get a little silly, but also just the crashing and the burning that are sure to come from that, that Monster Hearts is all about delving into. Hmm. Sounds like a winner. I was actually hoping to play some Monster Hearts at a Catacon 2016. In fact, I went so far as to obtain the books for the individual who shall remain unnamed that was supposed to run that for me. And uh, he never did. So I'm very, very sad. That's criminal. You didn't just uh, put a makeshift game together and run it for yourself? No, because I didn't read the book. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's... that's. Uh, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I bought it as a birthday present for this unnamed person uh, who has a great love for dinosaurs and druids and may or may not be in wrought iron. Yeah, yeah, that unnamed tall person? I seem to recall that human being. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he let me down. I'm, I'm going to cry a little bit. Hopefully he listens to this and, and feels bad. <laughs> that's, that's optimism. Yeah. And uh, what about you, Scott? What's been going on with you? I think we know one thing. Uh, yeah, that's right. Everybody at this point knows about Lawful and Orderly, the D&D SVU game that's uh, premiered uh, last just last Monday now at the time of recording. Uh, so we've only had one episode down uh, again at time of recording. But uh, by, by the time you all on the internet are listening to this we probably have a whole bunch of amazing uh material uh already down and more to come so so be sure to check that out if you like uh police procedurals or if you like video comedy or if you like me personally it's a great way to stare at my face for a good two hours uh yeah. rumor so has it hey um yeah, apart from that, uh, not too much going on in the old uh, GOWTF homestead. Just, uh, you know, mapping it. Just mapping it. I hope you take a nap and have a sandwich after all that mapping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mapping ain't easy. All righty. So I think it is time to move over to our used books segment. In this segment, we touch base on an old campaign, maybe one that flat out failed or one that just wandered off the intended track so we can get a little bit of closure and maybe learn something from it as well. So in this episode, I believe, Quinn, you've got a story for us. Yes. Sit down. Let me tell you a tale. Oh, hold on. Look, I gotta sit down. Yeah, I gotta oh. go. Hold on. I need some popcorn. Hold on. Okay. All right. <clears throat> All right. Go. Go. Go ahead. 
a thrilling and harrowing tale of a campaign. Ooh. Dead. Uh, this was my first full-length campaign that I ran in D&D 5th Edition. And it went really well for the most part. I got to meet a bunch of new people. I was running it through the role-playing games club at my local university. Where I met someone who would later come to be a regular in uh, my regular gaming group. Which has been on hiatus for a little while, unfortunately. But, you know, that happens. Anyway, we were able to actually bring that campaign to a natural and satisfying close when we agreed that we'd all still like to try playing together, maybe I would switch over to being a player, and that we would pick up and start another campaign. So one of the players who had been playing the rogue picked up the mantle of DM. It's a brave choice. But, 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 they were grizzly murdered. It was, it was terrible. (laughs) They were, they hit a trap and died. They're the rogue. The entire adventure became about them. Oh, a little bit, yeah. Um, so we we traded out characters. Like, we all started playing new characters. And I'm a person when, if I'm playing D&D, what I'll do is I will flesh out and make a setting of my own. I do a lot of world creation. I spend a bunch of time considering the way that clothing and stuff worked, why poor people wear incredibly loose flowing robes, which is something of a reversal of things that we see historically. Uh, But it's such that they can easily fold things into and carry objects, whereas people of higher class tend to wear less clothing, and in an incredibly litigious society, they adorn their body with ink, which proves that they have enough money to waste on ink that could better be used filling contracts, etc., so I had fleshed out this port city. Now I very just really deeply. want to play an attorney in your port city. This this is incredible. But 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 please continue. I have a very very soft spot for Port Hyacinth, and I love it a lot. Hmm. But we had established this nation that there was some conflict with in the in the campaign. I assumed having put a bow on this story, kind of told the story that was supposed to be told there that we'd be playing another game of D&D in another setting. Like, he seemed to have a pretty extensive knowledge of the Forgotten Realms. We'd probably pick up doing something like that. Sure. Whatever. I'm game to play some D&D-ass D&D sometimes. <laughs> uh, D&D as uh, AF? Is, is that the, the stream correct way to pronounce that? I think so, yeah. Okay. And... I I came up with a character that I really, really loved. Um, This paladin who was out to prove his uh, devotion to his partner by becoming a notable and grand hero as a part of his cultural wedding uh, and engagement ritual. And we sit down to play the first game, and we are... Literally 12 hours after the conclusion of the campaign, broken ships are floating in the harbor, there are dead bodies from the conflict at the end of the game, and we have a celebratory feast and immediately leave the ravaged city to go on this adventure in this other culture that I had established and hinted at for a long time. 
being horrified, I thought, okay, it's fine. I made this. I don't need to be completely precious with my creations, collaborative storytelling and all that, you know, it's, it's that's a how it goes. Book, I guess it's, it's, it's like we're doing here, right? You present this as an idea. You didn't expect them to want to railroad and take over your thing, but okay, you're going right. along with it. But there were a cast of minor NPCs from his other character's backstory that started showing up. They were very, very powerful. Uh, we had been given a bunch of strange extra advancements, like a number of bonus attribute points and feats going into the game. And it, it started raising a lot of red flags very, very quickly. And the point at which it was clear that I would not be playing another session of this game was when we saw pirates coming toward us. He established that they were maybe an hour or an hour and a half away from us. Uh I go below decks to inform the obviously super important, no, the obviously super important NPC that we (laughs) were asked to bring along as a bodyguard. Uh And having informed him of that, turning around so you know go down have a quick conversation say like hey pirates are coming Uh by the time i'm up above deck uh i kid you not the pirates were right on top of us this these pirate (laughs) ships teleported so so did did their uh pirate ship level teleportation powers was that a recurring theme was, or, I, or, or was that I'll never know, because I, I never played another session. We were also then right. immediately attacked by a Kraken. Wow! <laughs> like pirates on the one side, Kraken on the other. What do you do? And we tried to do a bunch of things to, like, we're like, okay, me and this other player who I've had as a member of my regular group decided, like, you know, we, we were able to read the mood, see with each other, like, this isn't going well. We should probably try to do something to, like, pick it up. Realizing that, like, this Kraken was destroying everything. We didn't have a lot of recourse. Both playing high-strength characters. I was a paladin. He was a barbarian. We decided that, well, if there's going to be rampant property destruction, we can try to hack down the mast and send it into the Kraken's throat, sort of spearing it through. Mm-hmm. The old uh, toothpick and the gullet thing. Exactly. And right... Like, one turn away from doing that, he just had the Kraken smack the mast off the boat. (laughs) Like, oh, you thought you were playing? You were involved in this story? No, no, no. I am involved in this story. You're not not players. You're the audience. Let's let's just establish that. Yeah, it was very, very clearly one of those situations. Mm. And it was like, well, buddy, I enjoyed having you as a character. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is working out for me. Mm-hmm. Class is no longer in session. There's a lot going on. You know, maybe some other time. Mm-hmm. And I I took the Barbarian player and have been playing games with him since. But I'm, I'm taking my friend and going home. <laughs> yep, I, I have nightmares about teleporting pirate ships. Oh, good. So, so uh... Tell us more about the part of the story that, that was actually good before the, the pirates became teleporting. Like, uh, I, I really want to hear more about these flowing outfits that, that uh, and, and naked wealthy people with tattoos of legalese and... Well, yeah, so the attorneys. basically, I 
I love like weird fantasy and stuff, and I figured if I'm going to be playing D and D, I'll play to some of my weird fantasy sensibilities. And the setting was essentially set in this port city, Port Hyacinth, that was the one viable port, basically onto this continent for thousands of miles. It was mm-hmm. the one point of entry, so because a lot of trade and important goods needed to flow in and out of the city, it historically had, by necessity, a stance of neutrality. Because mm-hmm. if they took a partisan side in things, it would just be incredibly obstructive. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, the emergence of a strange gang who seemed to worship these underworld creatures which spiraled out into this conspiracy sort of spanning Port Hyacinth as well as the nation from the neighboring continent Yellowmire and their conspiracies to seize control of the port for themselves. Caleb wouldn't know anything about running games uh, that are port-based and having suddenly undersea creatures come and spoil everything and for your fun. Would he know? Oh, yeah. I can neither confirm nor deny such events. Mm-hmm. Very diplomatic. <laughs> so I just had a bunch of fun sort of plotting out and exploring this incredibly litigious society who needed to make sure that everything was structured and accounted for because of the way that If things started going poorly, they're the only port, and they're incredibly important politically, so they needed to keep all of their ducks in a row, and then setting up people who are actively trying to knock down that structure, sort of playing to both the ups and downsides of that society. It was a lot of fun. And then in the end, they basically, you know, battled a giant creature from the deep who came at the behest of the neighboring nation, so... We even got to have a nice, big, shiny combat bow on top of it. Oh, everybody loves that that final cliffhanger combat with the the big bad villain and their gigantic, monstrous, horrible creature from the beyond. Yep. It's uh, really uh, what makes every session of 40k that much more special. Oh, yes. That in the eyes, the bleeding eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the madness, really. The uh, the Cthulhu like uh, in space. It's it's uh, yeah. So uh, well, good. Sounds like a, a fun campaign until it was horribly spoiled. Right. Uh, um, so any any suggestions to folks at home adapting it for their own uses, the environment or the, or the what what are the key oh, takeaways yeah. that you think so are adaptable? My big takeaway is that if you are transitioning GMs, <laughs> you're going to want to have a conversation to ensure what I like to call a smooth transition of power. Uh-huh. If we, if uh, we could only be so lucky. If we could only be so lucky. But you you do want to sit down, and if you have a lot invested in a world that you've built and portrayed, sit down and communicate. Just really directly say, I know you're going to be taking it over, and this is my world I've put a lot into it. I know that we've been telling a story in it together, and you've introduced a bunch of little setting and character elements and stuff that we fleshed out together, but I laid a bunch of the groundwork. I've done a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, having done a lot of that build up, that build up, I know that I won't be comfortable playing in a game that might consistently 
be horrible and disappointing. It, just right. by the standards, of, in fact, of any game, not just uh, the fact that it's near a setting, but but just kind of subpar games. Right. Mm. So you're going to want to like have conversations about that mm-hmm. and just about overall game goals. Um, yeah. That is why... Zero. Yes, that's why since then, like since that <laughs> terrible game session, my mantra basically my big nugget of generic RPG advice is session zero. Like, if there's any social level problems, session zero, open, clear lines of communication and ongoing communication, but session zero lays a super important groundwork. It's, it's a win. So, if you've got something that's precious to you and you don't want anyone to touch it, you have to say it. Yeah. Yep. Or the waters of the vast ocean that you've established will suddenly be full of teleporting pirates and krakens. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a problem uh, we know all too well. So here's my question. Did the pirates actually teleport? Or did the narration just move them forward way too quickly? It moved them forward way too quickly. As far as I could tell, like, we went below decks. They were an hour and a half away. We go to below decks. We inform this cross-class barbarian warlock who's the special snowflake Marty Sue NPC. Mm Mm-hmm. And takes about five minutes to tell him. Yep. Up the stairs, there are the ships. Nobody saw them teleport. Nice. But either we entered some sort of time dilation below decks, where five minutes down there took an hour and a half above decks, or they teleported, like, if if you want to try to maintain verisimilitude or a sense of grounding or reality, something went weird. Mm-hmm. Oh. Interesting. I, I wonder if you had, uh... If you'd stuck with the campaign, if there would have been some sort of explanation, or if it just would have been one of those annoying details that hung out there. Right, and just with the way that everything was being like... There was a lot that got thrown on the wall in that session, like, really, really fast. And so it felt like... Either he's got a bunch of ideas that he wants to start spinning together real fast, or, like, he's just throwing a bunch out there. It it felt a little too chaotic... But I won't say that he might not have had some sort of agenda there or something that he was building toward. That's uh, very generous. I guess I guess you'll never know. And uh, good for you for not having to learn. Yeah, I I am better for having gone off and just played other games. They say that no D&D is better than bad D&D. And this is one of the cases where it's, it's, I had to suck it up and take that advice. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's always going to be those books where you just have to like read the last chapter and then decide if you really want to continue with the book, right? Like, is this going to be satisfying ever at any point in any way, right? right? And if it's not, I'll, I'll just, uh, yeah, I'll take my cliff notes and go home. Yep, exactly. Good. All righty. So I think we can close that used book and put it back on the shelf. And let's jump over to our final segment, Class Review. If you do not remember from the last time we were doing detentions in class review, we pick one of the core classes out of the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition player's handbook, dig into it, look at it, talk about it, and then we also try to 
talk about some other variations of that class or how it might exist in other systems. So today we are going to talk about the Bard. Everybody's favorite class. I mean, I don't know anybody <clears throat> who doesn't prefer just, just a whole pile of boards, except, uh, I guess, uh, Angry DM. But apart from the Angry DM, everybody loves the Bard. And uh, the Angry DM, clearly wrong about this. The bard is the jack-of-all-master-of-none type of character. He tip- in, in past editions, in 5th edition, uh, bard's the, the, the jack-of-all and master-of-one or two. You, you, you really yep. can focus in and be amazing. Hmm. Yep. You can have I your think- cake and eat it. It's, it's like a quantum superposition of cake. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. I love bards. Uh, I always say, especially in the confines of 5th edition, if I'm going to be playing a rogue... I might as well be playing a bard. Yeah. 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 If, if you're going to uh, lie, cheat, and steal, you might as well carouse. <laughs> yep. All right. So why don't we break down a little bit about what the uh, archetype of the bard is. Stereotypically, the bard is the musician, the poet, the guy or gal or creature that is super, super skilled at social encounters and the some face the face of the party there you go thank you scott um that that is the bard uh in older editions i think actually even in current editions of D, the bard always had some sort of dabbling in arcane magic mm-hmm. yes poor caster um mm-hmm. kind, kind of a mismatch of usable spells i seem to mm-hmm. remember in old editions they could also pick up some divine spells here or there somehow but um, i think in current edition they can also pick up divine spells somehow right with yep. their spell they trick. can heal and stuff yeah yeah there's yeah. like now interestingly i think that the reason the bard can heal in fifth edition is because in fourth edition the bard was um i believe the bard leader. a leader yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like the marshal. It's Bard's the original marshal. Uh, it, it was just the. I want to play a drill sergeant. It was well, just the arcane then. version instead of the um, marshal version. Marshal yeah. version, um, and, and I think that's where some of the healing abilities, at least, were strengthened because fifth edition is uh, very strongly built on the bones of fourth edition. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Well, and and uh, I think three five they had some some terrible healing too, right? Then couldn't they cast like cure light and moderate? Like they could top you up. Yeah, yeah. In um in three five, and then by definition in Pathfinder, um they had a specific spell list, and that spell list was a mismatch of arcane and divine. So there were some low level divine spells in there. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a great spell list. It's full of all these amazing things that are that are so creative to use, right? Like silence. Mm-hmm. Like that, there are a thousand and one amazing uses of silence. Like what what kind of terrible rogue lets a victim scream before they die, right? Um, it's, I, I think, uh, who, who, who wants to bother picking the lock when you can cast silence and then just blow up the safe? <laughs> but bards also have songs. Uh, bards sing and their songs do things. If you will give me an opportunity to dovetail these two topics. Oh, please. I'm sure that there is many a bard who is fond of the wonderful song, Sound of Silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. wow i was one of the uh yeah, i mean in in 
3-5 when the, the goal was always character optimization. Uh, the bard instrument that I personally preferred, I mean, if, if you couldn't uh, convince your DM to give you interpretive dance or voice so that you didn't require a hand or an object that could be taken away, then uh, dog whistle, right? Technically still audible by some. Eh? 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 Get out of here, Tim Allen. <laughs> Go make another Santa Claus movie. I, I I will admit that that the the whole singing thing is my least favorite part of the bar, just because I feel like uh, so few characters I play actually want to sing. Oh, see, I can I can feel that. And sometimes I like to incorporate the singing elements. Sometimes I like to incorporate more general performance elements of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, like public speaking or oration or or uh, drill sergeant skills or or uh, just right. having an inspiring presence. You know, be, having a vow of silence and still inspiring people by just being there and being that stoic, silent, monk-like figure. Right. And so there's different takes you can de- or different tacks you can definitely take on it. But there is some stuff with music that, like, I really, really enjoy and like. And part of it, I think, is the musicality. There are serious ways to take it, but it very easily lends itself to very, very lighthearted things. Like, it's easy to, if you're going to be doing music, like, okay, well, I'm not very good at rapping, but I sure hope you like me trying to shoehorn it in everywhere. (laughs) And that can be a lot of fun if that's the tone of the game that you're looking for. Um, but I also like the idea of spell casting via haka. haka? Like the the Maori traditional uh, folk display. Yes. Yes. I love it. But I'm also that asshole who most of the time if I play Bard, I will do it because... I like vicious mockery and will go out of my way to find the most backwards roundabout insults <laughs> to tie into my castings of vicious mockery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once again, you're you're playing the rogue as bard, right? You, if, what, what use is sliding down this rope and then uh, stabbing two guards on the way and, and picking the drink off of the, the big bad's hand and sipping it? If you don't have a witticism on hand, right? If, right. If not possibly uh, an atrocious pun based on their name, right? Without that, what are we? Right. Yeah, it, it definitely gives me license to let go of that part of me that is constantly drawing word-to-word associations that I can't really control the part of me that is an engine of disgusting, awful wordplay. The, the, the ADD yes, part shame. of my mind that I'm, will I'm, never stop I'm talking. familiar with your shame, and I'm yeah. glad you have an outlet in the Bard. Well, there's also Twitter, but um, well, if I'm yeah. going to do it in games, then I might as well be the, be a Bard. I guess both involve death threats, so you, you might as well do it with your friends rather than strangers. Right. Now, interestingly, as you guys have been talking about that, you have kind of been circumventing, circumnavigating one of the interesting parts of the Bard. Since a lot of what the Bard does involves around some sort of performance, whether it be musical, dance, public speaking, this is a class that 
blurs the line between um, the the game world and what we are role playing in the real world. Yes, and it can be for sure. And I think if you are confident in your role playing skills and you are a performer, it would be very easy or at least very natural for you as you are role playing and describing what your bard is doing, actually doing it, singing this song, speaking part of this speech to the crowd. However, let's say you are an inexperienced role player or someone (laughs) who is not confident in replicating what the rules say you are doing then you've then, got then this is the class that's most likely to expose you to the ridicule of of dm and player alike who are like then actually sing the song like you don't actually ride the horse i i bet you couldn't saddle right. a horse You're just willing to gamble <laughs> like, right without getting gaming, kicked in the face like the gaming table should be a safe space and <laughs> if you're not playing in a safe space that's not good and, and that includes a safe space to be incompetent at uh, hip-hop, but still pretend to be someone who is competent without having to expose your incompetence. Right. Or to be comfortable in just, like, being uncomfortable with doing certain things. Like, mm. you don't have to. Like, I don't want to sing. You can't make me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as someone who is, like, a trained improviser and... Therefore, the worst kind of person on earth. Um, I enjoy playing with those performative aspects, but I also recognize that everyone's boundaries are not the same. And that if you're playing with a good group saying, like, I pick up my lute and play a rousing song, this is me using inspiration, That's that should be equally valid, but I do think that there exists potential pressure in the space for you to do the thing, as it were. Yeah. And that can be uncomfortable for people, and I don't yeah. like it when people are uncomfortable if they didn't buy into being uncomfortable. So, so uh, as as uh, I'm sure Caleb was uh, going to get to before we totally both interrupted him. Gang I'm interrupted him, it. really. It's okay. Oh, yeah, it's true. You, you're a veteran. Uh, so I assume what you were going to conclude with was uh, be aware, uh, both players and, and DMs, that, that this may be a propensity. Yeah, definitely. This is one of those things where during a session zero, since Quinn was so kind as to bring that up earlier, see, I was going for the the delayed transition, the payoff. Uh, This is something you want to talk about. If you have a player that wants to play a bard, I think it's worthwhile to take a second and bring it up. Hey, do you actually want to sit down and sing a song when you say your character sings a song? Is that something you care about? Do you feel that's something you want me to encourage you to do? Yeah, you, you've been taking electric guitar lessons. You want to bring it? You're welcome <laughs> to bring it. We're not going to make you. Because this is one of those things. We're playing pretend, but this is one of those areas where what we're doing, you can still do in the real world. Right. I can't and... sling a spell. I can't swing a sword. But if I say I give what? a rousing speech, I can give a rousing speech. Every SCA member who's uh, one of our audience just rolled over in their future grave in the past because uh, you could totally swing a sword. Just just saying. You know what I meant. I right. And that's one of those things where I think it draws to attention some of the potential absurdity of the way that we approach gaming or the way that we approach different play styles where if you're playing someone that you're not, 
you should be allowed to use the medium to engage in being skilled at things that you're not. And so if you're playing someone that's charismatic, you should be able to, you know, make a charisma check in order to do something. If you can't think about the right words, mm-hmm. you might be able to describe, like, an approach or something that can mm-hmm. flavor it, maybe determine which of your specific social skills you're using. But, like, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't love this, but yeah. when I ask someone for a strength check... I don't expect them to flex their muscles and say, Oh, yeah, brother, and prove to me that they can pick the table up with their hands. That's Flip now over the, the table, rule. walk out. I, Natural 20. Boom. <laughs> I think we need to, to make up a new game, uh, Quasi-LARP, where when you make a check, you just have to perform some related feat in the real world to either succeed or fail at that check. Be so much like uh, arm wrestling and ball catching. It gotta be like elementary school gym class all over again. See, that's the competent version of that. Whereas I imagined a group of people in a room just flipping over furniture, <laughs> <laughs> making the worst mess, just breaking stuff. Kind of like. Uh, my my escape room experience. I don't, have I it's talked to you guys about that? Game, mom. <laughs> it's a game. It it turns out uh, those escape rooms are really easy to escape from because of fire codes. They uh, right. legally can't yeah. hold you in once you set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you just Kobayashi Maru an escape room? Yep. Awesome. Sure uh Let's talk a few specifics of what the uh, 5e bard gives us, since you guys both love this version of the bard so much. Uh, We've got spells. We've got bardic inspiration that lets you boost other people's skills. Uh, You've got some basic healing. Um, And then you've got the different bardic colleges that give you different focuses. And there's actually a couple new bardic colleges that came out uh, late... 2016 on Unearthed Arcana. Uh, yeah, you... the College of Glamrock and the, the College of, of being an even better rogue than the rogue already is. Yep, or <laughs> otherwise known as Angsty Goth Teen. Ooh, right. I like that. And the alternative for the College of Glamrock is Ziggy's School. <gasps> oh, well, you just won me over with, with that one bad joke. Z- Z- Ziggy Stardust? Ziggy Twilight? That's yeah. so good. It's so good. All right, so... Uh, no. uh, I'm sorry, no. Ziggy, the cartoon character from Aww. the comic strips. No! What? No! These bards no. wear no pants. Oh, well... No, no, I no. Guess no. if there are ducks. No. College of the Complaints Department. <laughs> no, 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 no. We are going to play an all-bard campaign, and, it, and, uh, and we're going to be Ziggy and the Cowboys. <laughs> Love it. That's, that sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. I uh, maybe, dibs maybe, on Ziggy. Maybe they can be uh, recurring characters in Lawful and Orderly. <laughs> I see what you did there. Hey, oh, hey. So, um, I, I, uh, I'm not super familiar with these uh, new ones. I'm, I'm always excited to try new things. However, I, I, uh, I feel like, um, in fact, most classes I feel like are, are. Do I do the actual class or do I just play Lore College Bard? Because Lore College Bard is pretty amazing. Well, it, right. I, I agree with you. I haven't looked at the Unearthed Arcana stuff, but Lore College Bard, good God. 
It's like, so I, I lose one attack, but I gain some of the most powerful abilities in the book. Right. It's mm. it's the reason that I say if I'm going to play a rogue, I might as well play a bard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, honestly, like a ranger, at least until the before the UA ranger stuff came out, bard made way better ranger than ranger, in my opinion. You could get ranger spells earlier rangers. than rangers can. Like, mm. yep. Yeah, bards in three, uh, bards in five e are definitely the skill monkey class. They're full casters, and they're yeah, full they casters. can cast wish. What? I wish for better rock. Da 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 da. And not to undersell the College of Valor, like the extra attacks and the martial stuff that you get in there, medium armor. They definitely manage to balance out and even push further in certain respects a, a different take on the skill monkey. It pushes you towards more like hand-to-hand combat viability as mm-hmm. opposed to depth of skill. Yeah, it's it's a perfectly so, viable class build. It's it's just overshadowed by the amazing one. It's right. it's next. You are to, just right? wrong if you choose it. Yeah, you 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 are uh, you know a hundred lumens bright, but you're literally standing next to the sun. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if 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 they instead of being uh, different colleges, they'd been completely different classes. Like, ah, people still like the other class, right? And that's in part a potential problem with the bard, where you either have to find a way to make the College of Valor that good, or, or you need to tone down the yeah. College of Lore, which. Yeah. Hurts to say, but sometimes things need to get nerfed. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Maybe uh, I, I'm, I'm always hesitant to encourage people to, to be those DMs who are like, nope, not at my table. But, uh, you know, taking a second look at the uh, the spells they pick off of other people's spell lists, like that, you know, uh, there, there's room for exploitation there. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's not a bad uh, thing to at least be aware of. Yeah, Especially, I mean, you can... also as a player, you, you know, try not to overshadow everyone with how brightly awesome you are. Well, right. That You definitely want to do, like, niche protection. And you can plumb that well a little bit like the other spells with Warlocks as well. But they don't have as many spell slots. Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, I love Warlocks, but, yeah, but Bards hold a very special place in my heart. It's true. They're They're right there. Interestingly, I think in older editions, the bard was intended or maybe perceived to be more of that background support character who could do a oh, little yeah. bit of everything. Yeah. And they were they like guaranteed were, mediocrity. Yep. They were, they could do some buffs. They could control a crowd and they you could, don't have a wizard or a cleric. We'll just give you a bard yeah. and, and they'll suck at both. Yeah. But then fourth edition gave bards a little bit of the spotlight. I think, but mm-hmm. there was so much in 4th edition, there were so many classes because of how they broke down some of those core classes, mm-hmm. they got lost in the shuffle. 5th uh, edition... But, but at least they got a dedicated role, which they'd never really had before That's then, true. Right? Like, 4th like, like edition was the, like, basically Bard is the canonical member of this support role, right? Mm-hmm. Cleric's right. also a member, but Bard is the member. Mm-hmm. Right, and I I appreciate that, because if you look back, like, tracing the lineage, the initial bard is just, like, a mishmash fighter, thief, a little a little bit warrior, a little bit cleric. Um, 
little bit soul, a little bit rock and roll. Exactly. And so seeing it over time kind of draw into focus through the lens of history is a little satisfying, even though, God forbid, I would never play one in, like, AD&D or maybe even 3.5. Oh, I, I, uh, on, on that note, I will say that 3.5, that, uh, they may not have been as good, but they had the single most campaign-breaking magical item in the entire universe of 3.5. The Leer of Building. Ah, yes. Like... Oh, the, you know, whoever's writing that, the DM's guide, like, this is ridiculous. Why would you ever use that? Like, why would you not? I can instantly create fortifications that will topple any empire. Ah, every day. Yeah. I, I, can, I can instantly uh, disenfranchise an entire uh, workforce, right? I, I can uh, build my own stone quarry. There, there's, it's, it's, there are a thousand and one amazing uses. You asked for a dam? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. We, uh... Or, or the, you know, forget about visiting the, the crazy old wizard in their tower. Visit the crazy old bard who's been building this tower for six years. Every day. Every other day. The off days, he just uses it to build a beautiful statue of himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's now 700 miles tall. So, does the bard exist in other games? Hmm. Uh, all... Certainly, the the jack of all trades exists in many other games. I, mm -hmm. uh, however, don't know many games that have a specifically like, or especially that focus on characters that that just sing or perform. Oh boy! Oh, I've Quinn's got gonna a place lay one to go me. back to Exalted. Oh! Uh, it's it's back onto the hobby horse. Here we are. If you want to hear a story about someone who fights with music, I know a show that you might want to listen to called Swallows of the South. Silver Voice Nightingale form is a martial art in Exalted, which is, you can use it with musical instruments, or you can use it with singing, or, like, ki shouts and such, but it's very, very much about encapsulating the soul and sort of essence of a lot of bard feelings that support class a little bit in combat, but it definitely allows you to weaponize music and to bolster and improve everyone in your party. So, there's that for sure. And, if you want to play a game where everyone's a bard, there was a game that was recently kickstarted by the name of Rockalypse. Which Rock is a... No. Rockalypse? Yeah. yeah. It's a fate-powered game. Oh. Uh... About, like, the rock apocalypse. Oh. Like, it's Brutal Legend, the role-playing game, kind of. How did I not see this? What? There was an actual play of it over on OneShot. Ah! So you can ah. go back and listen to that if you want to experience this. Uh, a lot of other games, though, encapsulate the face aspect of the bard, face of the party, mm -hmm. the charismatic leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will always go back. Like one last job and the face. There you go. There you go. Um, there was uh, an old 3.5 book. Um, it's on my shelf. I don't remember what it's called, but it was basically let you all run around as James Bond type spies. Oh, boy. Oh, 
it might just be spycraft. Oh no! Wait, hold on. I'm gonna look. It's right there. It's right there. It's so close. It's 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 just it's on the tip of his tongue. It's on the on the end of his Google. It's on the it's under his desk. Okay, for for the folks at home who uh, I'm probably this probably yeah. get it out. But but uh, yeah, Caleb uh, vanished from view, hoving under his his desk of mystery. Uh, yeah, I, I, I stepped on one of my notebooks and jammed the uh, metal spiral thing into my toe. So that was awesome. Um, nice. It, it's just called Spycraft. It's an old 3.5 era book, kind of the way. Um, oh, it's an old D20. Uh, like yeah. a D20 modern setting. Yeah, kind yeah of thing. D20 glut yeah. supplement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that one one of the core classes you could pick was just the face of the party, uh, mm-hmm. kind of echoing the A-team face. Okay, are you sure it's not like the face from Doctor Who, the last human who's just a face on a giant tarp of skin which has been stretched out between two poles? Uh, you, you because mean, I would like to play alert, that, the please. The face of Bo? It, it, is, it, is ni- it is neither of those two last remaining faces. Damn. Uh, although I much preferred the face of Bo to Cassandra. It's, it's not the I... face in The Legend of the Hidden Temple, is it? Omek. Omec. No, it's not Omec. Apparently, they are uh, bringing back that show. I that's what they say. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be like YouTube go. only, probably. Terrible. Okay, what? Uh, in the words of Columbo, one more question. Uh, is it Andros? Is the face Andros from Star Fox? No, it, it is not uh, Andros. Uh, and neither is it the uh, floating giant head from Sinistar. Ah. Ooh, nice one. How how many faces can we pull out to keep this bit going? Oh, ooh, ooh, is is it the the computer that operates Red Dwarf? Polly? Nope, not Polly. Ooh, 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 let me put a bow on this. Is it Oz the Great and Powerful? Yes! <gasps> oh! There we go. Way to bring it back around, Quinn. 10 points for Ravenclaw. I'm a Hufflepuff. Damn you! <laughs> giving other houses my points. <laughs> I guess I'm a Hufflepuff, so we're used to it. But whatever. That was a very Slytherin remark. Wow. Ah, uh, so yeah. Uh, beyond those games where you are definitely involved in music, there are a lot of games where the focus is: I'm either really good at a whole bunch of skills, which is kind of Barty. Uh, I'm really good at or I'm sort of good at a lot of things that other people are way better at, which is definitely Barty, older mm-hmm. Barty. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of games that are about being really skilled at social manipulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will With or yeah. without magic or psionics or um, like a, a fundamental ability to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will always bring up Shadowrun. Shadowrun right, that's... needs a face in the party. They're, they're very yep. powerful in what they do. And I will say that trying to find bards in other systems and settings, if you take away the musical aspect, and doubly so if you take away music and um, magic, if you start looking at other D&D archetypes that you're trying to encapsulate, there starts to be a blurring of lines potentially between bards and rogues, and sometimes even bards and wizards, if you're looking at bards as people who know a lot of knowledge and hold and disseminate that knowledge versus there's the sort of dashing charismatic rogue that can operate in that sort of face capacity so you can get a lot of 
thematic bleed over that D&D has sort of carved out a specific niche by way of the way that they employ both music and magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but uh, you, you brought out a great point, Bardic Knowledge. One of my favorite, uh, the way it was implemented in 3.5 is like, you always get a check. Any piece of lore, DMs like no one could possibly know. Ah, roll. Well, looks like I do. Yep. It's it's a great uh, it's a great class, and and you're absolutely right. There there are dimensions, there are echoes, there are facets of it in almost all systems. There's a face. Everybody has a face. Everybody has a jack of all trades. Everybody has a social manipulator. Those are such fundamental concepts um, that they're uh, everywhere. And and even to the point of being duplicated many times in D and D in its various incarnations, but you'll never get past the authoritative bard. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was the bard class review. Of course, if you have any great stories to share about bards, whether they are horror stories or stories of doing something really, really cool with the class, definitely share them with us, please, down in the comments. And uh, I think this is going to pretty much wrap up this episode of Detention. So for myself, Michael, everybody at the RPG Academy, thank you for listening. We appreciate Quinn jumping on with us tonight. Check out Swallows of the South if you want to hear some crazy bardic happenings amidst uh, Eastern lore anime combat. And delightful voice acting. Amazing voice acting. And uh, if you want to see a bunch of people do some really goofy procedural drama spoofs, don't forget to check out Lawful and Orderly over on the RPG Academy Network Twitch every Monday night. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. So long, farewell, half-readers, Zane, and such. Exactly. Bards. (laughs) I roll charisma, because that's the most production I can do, because I don't sing. I see you've put in an application to work with our organization, and you have applied for the position of Bard. I'm afraid that before we can go any further with this interview, I'm going to need confirmation that you have, in fact, passed the Bard exam. hey I get it. It's like bar, but with the D. It's a thinker. That's a... You weren't kidding about this word association that's constantly going on in the background. Look, look at that. You're you're just a you're just a bar yeah. going. That's uh, yeah. You should be very proud. Very uh. proud, Ben. <laughs> uh, I've had it trained that's into me. So brutal. All right, now I got to remember how I open this show. What up, nerds? Perfect, there we go. Howdy, kids. Why don't you sit up on my lap? Wow, a different kind of school. Old school, that's what that is. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.